This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Kane's Country Podcast. It's over. It's all over. It's it's done. The Hurricanes 2019-20 season has come to a bitter end, and now... We just have to look at the remains of the season and, you know, the autopsy, find out what killed it, who killed it. My name's Brett Finger. Of course, Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Henkel are here. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Doing good. All right. Doing good, doing great. So the difference between the Bruins and the Hurricanes. Right <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. That's actually a really strong point. So the Hurricanes got ousted in five games by the Boston Bruins in the first round of the postseason, not including the qualifying play-in round. Five games, they, they went to four against the Bruins last year in the Eastern Conference Final. They went to five this year. That's a, that's an improvement, you know? That's like a 25% uh, uptick in, in games played, right? So there's something there, and... The games themselves were a lot more interesting for a lot of reasons. Uh, the Hurricanes lost their four games, were all by one goal. Uh, they had an empty net goal against in game three when they lost three to one. But outside of that, all the games were one goal games. Um, it felt closer, it felt more competitive. Uh, Andrew, what were your takeaways from a quick? but not as quick as last year series. Yeah, I mean I think um I think definitely my takeaway is that you know if you look at it I think the Hurricanes closed the gap because I do think that 5 games doesn't necessarily tell the story just because all of the games were kind of like right there in the third period where you know you had the Canes getting blown out by the Bruins and a couple of the games last year um the you know the negatives just some some simple mistakes uh not scoring on the power play taking some untimely penalties some of which may have been beyond the hurricanes control um sure yeah and and just you know having some sloppy play that you just you just can't have against the bruins um the biggest positive to take from the series i think hayden flurry played mm-hmm. awesome two goals in the series that goal he scored in game five that seeing eye shot from the circle that was sick um but just really you know he played well defensively he was really uh physical that was a cool element of his game to see i wrote about that in my um my story that i wrote about flurry and kind of his path after game three but it seems like you know after being a top 10 pick fighting through that defensive log jam the Hayden flurry that all of us that you, you know, you expected to see when you use that top pick on him is here now. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see where he, what this performance does both for his competence and for Rod Brindamore's competence to give him some more bigger minutes going forward and see what he does from here. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I think the biggest takeaway is just kind of something that we've seen throughout the entire regular season, and that's just the depth scoring just wasn't there. It's not like even depth from, you know, other than like the top line produced a bit, but really all throughout the Hurricanes lineup, you know, you didn't really have scoring contributing very much at all. You had like one goal by the second line. You had, you know, two goals by the third, a goal by the fourth, and three goals by the first line. But that's about it. There's the Bruins' top six was, you know, running away, scoring goals here and there, and the Canes just couldn't buy a goal to save their life really in any of their lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was interesting. You know, game one goes to double overtime, one bounce the other way, and it's a, it's a one nothing seriously for the Hurricanes, obviously. Um, and, and outside of that game one game, that could have gone either way. You look at, I think, games four and five, because in game four, you have a 2 nothing lead in the third period. James Reimer goes out to play a puck in the slot that he probably uh, definitely should not have played, and that starts the momentum going in the other way for Boston, and they rattle off four goals, and they win 4-3. What happens if that doesn't happen? What happens if he stays in his net, the puck doesn't go in the net, and the Bruins are still down by two as the third period goes on? Um, there's a very real possibility that if that doesn't happen, it's a 2-2 series at that point. And then, I challenge you even further with that. If Natchez, you know, scores on that feed from Nino, there you go. it's oh, a 3-0 yeah. lead. Yeah, there you go. So, Well, it's just so bizarre, too, because, like, have, have either of you – I mean, like, I was away during the regular season, so I didn't see everyone. Have either of you ever seen James Reimer do anything like that before? No, it was no. – that's what was so shocking because – um, I was talking to uh, a Boston uh, media person a couple of days ago, and what what I told him was, what is so surprising was that he never did anything like that. Like it was such an uncharacteristic decision from him to play that puck. Like you'd expect that from Mrazek. Like you know what Mrazek's about. He's going to be aggressive in, the, in that building, no less. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly, and. Um, you know that he's going to do stuff like that, but that was so bizarre because it was so against what James Reimer it usually and how he plays in net. And to that point, he hadn't allowed a goal in the third. I mean, he was into the third period pitching a shutout, and he he made just a really bizarre mental error that he doesn't usually make. Um, and and there you go, game four that starts the the boulder moving in the wrong direction. At that point, the Hurricanes couldn't stop it. Fair to point out, though, even to that point, the Hurricanes had been playing terrible in that third period. Like, up to that point in the whole third period. Like, they got outshot, I think, 16-2 to in that third period. Yes. Like, it's possible the avalanche still happens without that, but that is what started it. It did. And, you know, after that goal was scored, you know, that, that you, can, you can sense the life that, that Boston got from it. And... And again, it's impossible to predict how it happens, how it all goes down if it's still just two nothing and not two one. Um, but you certainly like your chances much more when you're up two nothing. Um, and then you move on to game five, where the Hurricanes again have a one nothing lead. Boston ties it, and then with three seconds left in the second period, Peter Morazic, he's just he's not he's not alert to 
You know, there's three seconds left in the period. Bergeron has it behind the net. There are very few plays that he can make. So you have to make sure that he can't just throw it at you and into the net in that kind of situation. Um, that that was a deflating goal. And, you know, I think that pretty much was it for that game. And, you know, you look at these these pivotal moments and all of them go against Carolina and you know it's 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 not you can't blame the series on you know one player or whatever but these moments are starting to count up or they're starting to add up and these pivotal moments that the hurricanes have to have if they want to beat a team like Boston um they're giving these moments away and it's you know that's that's really what the series came down to yeah i do think Again, going back to what Ryan said about the Natchez chance in game four, um, I do think the Hurricanes also had some opportunities where they could have extended their lead in that earlier in that second period. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's the, a team like Boston and a goalie like Yaroslav Halak is is going to make stops and you have to have your guys making the right plays in the right times and they didn't. Yeah. Um So there is there's just there's a lot going on and you know you, you talked about how Hayden Fleury was probably the biggest positive of the series. I agree with you. Um but you know that like you said right before we started recording, when Hayden Fleury is your best player in a series, you're not faring well and that's saying nothing really bad about Hayden Flurry, but no, you look no, to, that's, yeah, it I says, mean, I, I, yeah, I love Hayden Flurry. I love watching him play. I love the stuff that he did, but he's not that guy where he's, mm-hmm. if he's the best guy that you're, cause it, I mean, at his best, he's not carrying the team. Exactly. And he played well, but I don't think there's a level that Hayden Flurry could reasonably play at to, ride that anyway in any way um so there there was a lot that went wrong for the hurricanes in that series and you know you can there's a lot of negative there that we just talked about there's some positives too like we 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 said um a little bit ago uh all the games are one goal games and that's when you know i think last year when when carolina got knocked out it was more along the lines of they're just nowhere close. Like you, you couldn't point to specific moments like we are now, and and have that those moments hold a lot of a lot of weight because the the teams are just so far apart. This year, the gap I feel like has closed significantly, and now you can point to these moments and these learning experiences, hopefully for this team, and you're you're able to pinpoint certain moments and certain times in the game where. You know, if if something if it goes the other way, then you're talking about a totally different series. You're talking about a series that goes to six games or seven games. Um, Ryan, did you do you feel the same way about that? Yeah, it's a very it's a good it's a good um, you know take with them. It's last year, like yeah, they were getting blown out, shut out. It was ugly series last year, but this year it's very much it was a closer affair. The Canes have really taken major steps forward. I mean. The goaltending was, you know, you can blame them for those little mistakes here and there, but as a whole, they were coming up with big stops, big saves. They were keeping the Canes in the game. 
the defense did a good job. Like there was no games where they're really getting run out of the building. I think it came down to special teams a lot. The Bruins are a team that their special teams have all played together for years upon years and they've worked it and they've perfected it and they're really, really good on the power play. And the Canes just are they look really disjointed with it. At times they would get power play and it would just kill their own momentum. And yeah. you never want that from your special teams. And I think stuff like that, and I think Cassidy is a coach who's really good at countering other teams' styles. And I think we saw that heavily, and he's really good at adapting on the fly in between periods and during intermissions. And I think that we saw that again. So I think it's a thing of this, taking the steps, and I think even for Brendan Moore himself as a head coach, there's steps to be taken, measuring up to like a coach like Cassidy who's really good with the counter and you know, kind of still trying to figure out where to go with the team when you face an opponent like that. Yeah. But I think the Canes have taken the right steps and they're, they're there, they're on the doorstep and they could have walked through the frame, but just not yet. It, yeah. And it's funny you bring up the power play because last year that killed them in a similar way, but this year the hurricanes are good enough to where the power play can very nearly kill them, but they're, they're not dead from the power play. Um, like they're good enough as a team at five on five to make up for it and you know you look at all the power play chances the hurricanes had if 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 they score three power play goals then they're probably still playing you know like it's it's that kind of close battle to where i i think the hurricanes are good enough five on five to to beat the bruins but when their power play is as bad as it was and boston's is as good as theirs was then that's the difference in the series. It, that's that's the, really the the difference. And you know, again, if the Hurricanes score three power play goals in the series, I think they're still going to be playing. I still I think they're playing Thursday night in the game six or whatever. So this week we are going to kind of keep it quick. We're going to talk about Boston. Uh, we we have been talking about Boston. We're going to move on to Twitter questions, then we're going to look at other series around the league. Next week, however, we're going to be more going in-depth about the entire season, everything that, that went right and wrong for them throughout the, the course of 68 games and then postseason. And we're going to start looking forward to the off season and, and the next season, which would be 2020-2021. And that will start in three months, by the way. That will be November 17th, less than three months, will be the start of training camp. So, I was going to say, I think they're targeting December 1 yep. for the regular season, maybe. Yeah, so yeah, November 17th is the start of training camp. Um, so yeah, and, and this goes with the Twitter questions for this week. We got a lot of really good ones. Some of them are not going to be answered this week. We're going to hold them over to next week because they're more centered on next season, the off-season acquisitions, specific player that is going to be a free agent, et cetera, et cetera. But we will start with Jake. Are you guys concerned that for the second year in a row, Ajo didn't show up at all against the Bruins? I know Bergeron and Krejci are elite defensively, but ideally you want your star player to be able to play well against good teams. Andrew? Yeah, I think it's a fair, um, it's a fair point. I think, I'm a little bit concerned, but I also think with these being Ajo's first two playoff runs and playoff hockey being just such a different animal, um, like if they come out into the playoffs next year and he doesn't play well, I'll be concerned. But I think 
I personally, I think it can be a good thing that he's had two playoff runs in a row of going against guys like Bergeron and Krejci, who he's getting a front row sh- seat of seeing, you know, as a top centerman, just exactly what it takes to succeed in the playoffs and to carry your team in the playoffs. So I would have liked to see more from him, but I think for a guy without a lot of experience going against those two who have a wealth of it, it might be a little bit to be expected. And I think it definitely can help him going forward. Uh, I don't really buy into the whole much. Aho didn't kind of show up in the playoffs kind of thing. It's um he led the Hurricanes this series in points. He had no goals, but he had four assists, two being primary. And if you look at it, the only players that outscored him, even on the Bruins, were Marshand, Bergeron, and Krejci. And if you look at five-on-five points, Ajo was tied with Krejci and Marshand for five-on-five points. So they produced about the same on five-on-five. I really think it was just the power play factor. Yeah. I think was really the biggest takeaway. Like I, I think Ajo showed up. I think Ajo was producing. I think the Bruins play a more shutdown style, so it's just harder to break through that. And Krejci Bergeron, like Jake said, are elite defensive players. Right? Despite that, I think Ajo was still there. He wasn't the difference maker that you would want to see from a superstar. But I think Ajo's still growing, but I don't buy that he didn't show up. But, you know, leading the Canes in points and you know, tying the series for five on five points. I think he was a factor. I still don't think he was enough of a factor. Granted, the fact that the Canes power play never really showed up. Yeah, I think I, 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 I'm along the same lines as you, Ryan. It's, you know, you, you, you want to see your young star players really grab hold of the series. And obviously you would love to see that from Ajo. But, you know, I, 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 I'm not as concerned, really. Uh, this is a guy, this is his second postseason. He's 23. And I think it's fair to remember how much playoff experience and how much experience in general Bergeron, Krejci, the Bruins have. Um, to me, it's definitely not the point where I'm concerned. Um, you know, you, you, you want to see him steal a series or, or really, you know, be the guy in a series like that. But to, I'm not at the point where I'm concerned about it. Um, you lose their, well, for some of that series, their top line winger, Andre Svechnikov, um, for the second half of the series, that's a big blow. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm, I think I'm with you, Ryan, uh, moving forward. You, you want to see a guy like that improve year to year. And while the Rangers weren't, were on the outside looking at the playoff discussion at the stoppage, they were trending into being a playoff team and, he stole that series. He really did. So, you know, I think that's that was a big moment for him and a big series for him. And I think that it's fair to expect more out of him against a team like Boston. Um, so you hope that he kind of takes the step forward. From Tim Hackett, elder, uh, father of a good friend of mine, why can we not beat the damn Bruins? Well, <laughs> good question. Um, I think... You know, you look at these past two series and it comes, I think the Bruins are not a great matchup with the way that they defend and just clog everything up and they stop the Hurricanes from doing what they do so well, which is just putting a a ton of shots on net and possessing the puck and attacking. And two, I think it's experience. I mean, we've talked about it. 
Rod Brindamore talked about it last night. You look at what all of the playoff experience that this Bruins core has Mm -hmm. throughout their careers. I mean, even like this group last year is coming off a run to game seven of the Stanley Cup final last year. They know how to win. They know how to do it. And I think that's what's leading to a series like this where you're seeing, you know, Boston making all of the key plays that they need to make in key moments and the Hurricanes doing pretty much the opposite of that. So that, I I mean, I think those are some of the biggest reasons for me that these matchups have been so tough on the Hurricanes the last two years. But I do think going forward, you know, and Rod talked about this too, if they look at this right, the, the, you know, these can be learning experiences that can help them going forward. And I think if this group goes where we think it can go, one day they're going to look back at the 2019 and 2020 Boston Bruins as one of their best teachers, I think. Yeah, and I think it's it's easy to kind of, because it's been back to, back to back years with Boston, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of how do we beat Boston? And I don't think it should overshadow how well the team has played against teams that aren't Boston in the postseason. Now, do you want to be prepared to play Boston if you do match up with them? Yes, because they're a yearly contender. They're a yearly Stanley Cup contender. But it's I don't love the idea of falling into the trap of we need to build our team to beat Boston and only Boston yeah. because they beat Washington last year. They beat the New York Islanders last year. The Bruins are a different team than both of them. And I think as opposed to trying to beat Boston by being Boston, I don't think you're going to do that. I think you're going to beat Boston by being Carolina and playing the game that they need to play and improving year to year in their systems and not focusing too much on the Boston Bruins because what happens if you gear up to beat Boston and then you you play a team that's quicker, a team that plays more like Carolina in the playoffs, and suddenly like you're not even the best at what you're doing. So I think it's more important to, to focus on yourself as opposed to specifically Boston, even though I understand how it can get difficult when it's the second year in a row where Boston beats you out. I mean, we talked about it a lot. They were much better this year against Boston in this playoff series. Five games, yeah, but these games were close. These, these games are dictated by specific moments and specific bounces that did not go their way, and... I, I think it's better to count on them improving their game in their system and gaining experience so the next time around, when those key moments happen, you can be the team that capitalizes on them, forces the series to six or seven games, and wins the series. So that's that's kind of how I think about beating Boston or whatever. Probably important to point out, too, that the fact that they played Boston a second year in a row now really is kind of a total fluke like with the coronavirus and the bubble format and the round robin i mean you're talking about a team in the hurricanes that was sixth in the conference in points percentage when the regular season ended ending up facing the president's trophy winners in the first round so if the season and regular season ends normally they're probably not playing the bruins in the first round no no, they're they're playing another team and i mean boston sunk down to fourth in the round robin the hurricanes are were the second best team or sorry they were the best team from the play-in qualification round in yeah, the eastern conference that made it through. 
yeah, Montreal came through and put Carolina there. And, um, you know, because if Pittsburgh wins that series, Carolina's playing Washington, and the Islanders are up 3-1 on Washington. Yeah, and I probably think, feeling pretty good about I that one. I think you like your chances there. And, you know, I mean, it goes back to, again, you like your odds against a team like Washington, which is also a very experienced team in the finishing the top half of the conference or the top half of the playoff one through eight in the conference. Um, so, yeah, again, I, I think you focus on yourself as opposed to focusing on one specific team. I just like Jordan Stahl said this in the post game game post game five. He said, it's just all the little things pile up. It's not like one big glaring issue that caused the Canes to lose to the Bruins. It's just a little thing here and there. And the experienced teams are better at cleaning up those little mistakes where a young team like Carolina is still learning the postseason, still learning that you have to play as hard as you can every shift in the playoffs or else it's going the other way. It's still just those, it's a learning curve. It's just a learning curve. It's those little steps that pile up that really kind of make it spiral out of control sometimes. But I think it's not necessarily like the Bruins are the, where this juggernaut that came in and smashed the Canes. It's, there's just little tiny mistakes that kept piling up. And, you know, this whole season this whole postseason is just a weird format. So you, you take it all with a grain, a grain of salt, but it was, it's, I think it's a more experienced team playing a less experienced team, but I don't think it was as much of a factor. And I don't think even moving forward, it'll still be as much of a factor. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to take those two Twitter questions this week. Again, we have, let's see, we have five or six more that, uh, that we could get to, and we will get to next week. Um, for the episode that comes out on August 28th. So next Friday, we will get to a lot more questions. We're going to talk more in depth about the whole season, the off season, what we're going to, or what the Hurricanes need to do uh, moving forward. So if we didn't get to your question again, uh, give us a week. We'll get, we'll get to them. So before we say goodbye, we're going to take a look at the other series. So a couple of other series are over, actually a few, three is a few, two is a couple, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure. I, I didn't. I know that's you know, people have different opinions. So I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Semantics. Yeah. Tampa over Mont. Uh, there's a typo. All right. So that's Tampa over Columbus. <laughs> I didn't even notice that until just now. It's been a week, my friends. It has been. It really has been. Tampa over Columbus in five. Uh, that series. I predicted Tampa in four. Columbus didn't want me to be right. Fair enough. Uh, so Tampa over Columbus in five, Vegas over Chicago in five. Think uh, think everyone saw that coming, and Colorado over Arizona in five. Again, I think everyone saw that coming. Did any of you not have Tampa? Did any of you have Columbus over Tampa? I did not have Columbus, but I had Columbus. I had Tampa in six. I thought Columbus, okay. and they did. I mean, obviously, one of the games that they lost, they pushed to five freaking overtimes, and they pushed. Yes game five to an overtime as well so i guess i was gonna say i thought columbus would give tampa more of a fight but i guess similarly to looking at our series with the games being closer than a five game series would seem to indicate i think they did yeah you know to be honest andrew it did take tampa almost six games to beat columbus that's true (laughs) it's a really that's a i mean how many i mean let's see five that's six overtimes that's two games so technically it went to seven Jesus. So when you right. think of it that way, it really was a seven-game series. Um, 
Vegas over Chicago, Colorado over Arizona. Did we all have that? Were we all? Yeah, I had Colorado in five, but I thought Vegas was going to sweep. You know, I'm surprised Chicago, oh, I, that experienced core and Corey, actually, no, Corey Crawford stealing one game. That's yes. all it came down to. He stole one game. I don't, I had at least one of those in a sweep. I think I have one in a sweep and one in five. I don't remember which. Okay. Well, we were all right with the result. That's for sure. Now, the game, the series that are in play. Philadelphia, 3-2 over Montreal right now. Um, Montreal is a tough team. Uh, that one's weird. Yeah, It's like they, they play like this neutral zone trap and, you know, Carey Price bails them out. Except for like game five where they just start shelling Carter Hart and Hart just does not have the answer for it. Nick Suzuki plays a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one came out shocker. So now I'm questioning, can they push it to seven? Because I didn't expect even to get to six yeah um that's that that's if man if montreal advances over the number uh, one seed, more 2020 nonsense i mean it's it's funny i mean just last week going into game three of hurricanes bruins i was looking at it like you know could all of the lower seeded teams in the east advance we saw how that has worked out so far but i mean We could at least have two of them. I don't think I don't think the Capitals are going to finish the comeback. I don't. No. I don't see. I think Philly will close this out. I do too. It, would it surprise me to see it go to seven? No. Probably not. And when you're going to seven, I mean, anything, anything can, can happen. happen. We watched Carolina Washington last year, and that went to double overtime. So. Carolina Boston in 2009 almost yeah. went to double overtime. Yeah. New York over Washington three one right now. Uh, I think we all picked the Islanders, right? Yeah, we were we were the smart yeah. ones with that one. Yeah, just that one was something ain't right with Washington. Yeah, they're out coached, and that team is very undisciplined. They take very. a lot of penalties. Yeah, Islanders are just very much built and like Ryan just said, coach for playoff hockey. Plus, Braden Holtby seems to have ascended to some other dimension where he is no longer interested in being an elite goaltender where he's not interested in getting a big contract this offseason apparently yeah that's quite the poor timing on his part yeah um in the west two series still going dallas has a 3-2 lead over calgary vancouver has a 3-2 lead over st louis thoughts on those Oh man, did you guys watch that Vancouver St. Louis game last night? Of course. That yeah. was crazy. It was great. Dude, those those two goals that Tyler Motti scored, oh, those were they, Yeah. I I had St. Louis in 6 just cuz again, I thought, you know, the experience, the Canucks are fun. They are. I I didn't watch a lot of them this year, but man, are they fun to watch. Dude, a young, fun team beating a defending Stanley Cup champion? Never could happen in the first round. In Mm -hmm. hindsight, I probably should have thought a little harder about that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, if all the series close out the way that they're currently projected, so Philly and New York win the East, then Dallas and Vancouver win in the West, I will be perfect on my picks outside of Carolina. Sad. Brett, you take that to Vegas? I should have. I think that's it. I think that's a podcast. Is it is that a podcast? It's a podcast. I think I think one more thing, you know, shout out Andrew. Happy birthday. 
Of course. Yeah. Happy birthday, Andrew. uh, 24 years old when I am 23 years old on the recording of this podcast and I will be 24 when it drops. Wow. That's exciting. What, What do you want for your birthday? What can the fans of the podcast send you to your Twitter account and not your actual address? Right, still send, me, send us uh, the best questions you can possibly think of for next week, and we will just have a grand old time. Yeah, I mean, if and we get a few more, we can just do a full at, episode off of Twitter questions. So You can send those to me at A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3, <laughs> or of course, you can also send them to us at Kane's Country. Of course. Um, again, happy birthday, Andrew. We'll, we'll talk about all the wonderful uh things that happened on your birthday next week we'll we'll talk about it in depth it'll be a great time um but happy birthday so uh ryan where can the people follow you on twitter uh at r-y-a-n-h-e-n-k-e-l underscore beautiful and mine is at brett underscore finger follow kane's country on twitter at kane's country again sending questions for next week if you would like us to talk about a question that you have entering the the hurricanes off season uh, listen to the podcast, of course, you're listening to it right now, but you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe, slash follow the podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, you can listen to the Canes Country Podcast, and you can listen to the Canes Country Podcast again next week. We'll talk to you then. Bye. <laughs>